1: plushcare.com slash weight loss
2: This is the Cork Today replay on c C103, C-103. And-
3: very good Monday morning to you as we welcome you to the programme um, our John Paul is back from his summer holidays and he had a staycation down in Kerry and I have to say he's come back with a wonderful can't say a Kerry tan, an Irish tan he is looking tanned and summery. He was uh, blessed with the week off that he had so he's back answering your calls 0818 103 103. You can text him WhatsApp's so they're already coming into us at 086 103, 103 and we have have a very, very warm couple of days ahead of us today and uh, tomorrow. But this intense heat for Monday and Tuesday is, as we mentioned last week, it is going to be short-lived. They're expecting today is going to exceed the hottest day of the year. Hottest day of the year so far was yesterday. They're expecting it to get hotter uh, today. Temperatures in some parts of the country they're saying could go to 32 degrees Celsius and they're expecting that the hottest part of the country is going to be anywhere in around the Midlands they reckon this is where it's going to get very hot 32 degrees could even go above that because remember last week we checked what was the hottest on record and it was 33.3 degrees which was set in Kilkenny there was talks last week that it could that record could actually be broken but they're kind of met Erin are saying today they reckon 32 degrees but it may go above that and it may break that record of 33.3 so we're not expecting Expect it to be as hot as that, but that's not to say that we're not going to have a sweltering of a day because we are, because uh, right across us here in Cork, 26, 29 could top 30 degrees Celsius tomorrow. Continue. Pretty much the same. Nice warm weather. Temperature's down a little bit though tomorrow. They're saying ranging from 23 to 28 degrees. Still a very, very warm day. And then rain is going to develop tomorrow uh, evening. That could and will become heavy at times with even some thunderstorms. And usually when you get this very intense heat, you'll get a massive thunderstorm and that'll kind of break it all up. And you know when you're on holidays and you get that intense heat and you know a thunderstorm is coming and then you kind of get a bit of a respite afterwards and then the heat builds back up again doesn't have a tendency to happen like that in this country, but certainly a thunderstorm will break uh, the heat. So rain on the way for tomorrow uh, evening. Uh, Tonight is going to be a particularly sticky, warm night, but it will be cooler then tomorrow night, Tuesday into Wednesday morning. And then normal services are going to resume on uh, Wednesday and we'll be back to more normal temperatures for this time of year, anything from 16 to uh, 20 degrees Celsius. But if you are planning on enjoying the warm weather Today and tomorrow, heading to our waterways, heading to the coast, particularly when we hear it's a couple of degrees, the sea breeze uh, being by the uh, sea. Please, please be careful if you're heading anywhere near the sea, any of our waterways on Friday on the programme. We invited Roger Sweeney of Irish Water Safety to join us because unfortunately there'd been two tragic drownings last week and we were trying to keep everybody as safe as we could over the weekend and then of course to hear the news yesterday evening that unfortunately a man died got into difficulty in County Kerry man in his 50s he fell from a boat by all accounts near Kilorglin. it was about 10 o'clock last night and sadly he was removed from the water and pronounced dead a short time later so just be careful and I know we're hoping later on today to speak to the inshore lifeboat on the programme because they are worried down in Inchidani about the increased numbers of beach goers who are swimming in the Western Channel at Inchidani. And of course, the Western Channel people who live down there will be very, very aware that that's an area that's known for sinking sands but it was one of the points that I made when I was chatting with Roger Sweeney on Friday if you are holidaying or visiting a different area I always think the best advice is to try and ask local people where's the safest place to swim because the locals will know or there's been a number of drownings there over the years or there's rip currents there or in this case if you head to Inchitani locals will be well able to tell you of the sinking sands and the rip currents and the sudden changes of water depth But that's the local knowledge. So you kind of need to inform yourself if you're going to a new area. And Roger, Roger Sweeney agreed with me. That's one of the reasons why we always advocate, as does Irish water safety, that you only swim in an area that has lifeguards on duty. And obey the lifeguards. If the lifeguards tell you to get out of the water, they're not trying to be killjoys. They're telling you to get out of the water to keep you and everybody with you uh, safe. So please be extremely careful if you are heading to any waterways today and be very careful of the smallies. So while we have this short, sharp. Now, I can't say it's a heatwave because it's not a heatwave unless we exceed 25 degrees for five days. So just this short, sharp few days of warm weather The same can't be said of what's going on in mainland uh, Europe and firefighters again yesterday battling to control huge wildfires in Spain, in Greece and in France. Europe is absolutely sweltering with this uh, heat wave. Authorities in Madrid say that as a direct result of the the heat wave, they reckon that more than 300 people have died. Temperatures hit 45.7 degrees in Spain last week where firefighters supported by the country's armed forces are trying to stamp out more than 30 fires, which are blazing in forests right across the country. In France, two huge fires have been consuming pine forests for six days now south of Bordeaux. Because of that, there was a forced evacuation of about 14,000 people. And it included tourists and people on their holidays and they literally just had to move them out. There was other parts of France as well where there was forced evacuations. And then significant fires have also been reported in Portugal and in Greece where the fire brigade in Greece said on Saturday 71 blazes. ...broke out in Greece and that was just in a 24-hour period. There was also a report of a blaze on the island of Crete that began on Friday but luckily they got that uh, contained. Now there's been thankfully no reported fatalities from any of those fires across mainland uh, Europe... But it is the heat wave that has claimed a number of lives. Madrid has already told its street cleaners that they now have the option of working in the evening time and into the early night. And that was because one of the street cleaners suffered heat stroke last week and actually died while actually out on a shift. And in Portugal, their health department Say 659 people died due to the heat wave over the previous week. Uh, Most of them were elderly uh, people. And as I say, nothing at all to do with the fires, but it is the very intense uh, heat. And that's why you need to make sure you're drinking lots and that elderly people keep out of the sun and particularly that midday sun. And, you know, make sure that they've got lots of fluids on board and that they they keep as cool as uh, possible. The good news for Spain is that the weather agency there, kind of their equivalent of Metair, they're saying that their heatwave is due to a today. So that'll give them a little bit of uh, reprieve. So enjoy, but just to try to keep everybody safe. And talking of enjoying, I spent a wonderful, wonderful weekend in Clonakilty, and obviously had the glorious weather at the weekend uh, as well. Do you know... I was walking along. I, we went to Long Strand, and I love that beach. And I took off on my own for sort of a, a mad walk down the beach. And I was just thinking to myself, and it was sort of early enough on Saturday morning, how lucky we are to live in this county of Cork. Why would we ever need to leave the county? There's so many beautiful places to go and visit, so many beautiful beaches. It's great with the smallies, the little ones with us from Australia. So There's lots of activities for the kids uh, to do and gorgeous places to eat. And we just and you meet some of the, most, the nicest, kindest people you'll ever meet, I think, are here in Cork. So hi to... I met a, a lot of lovely C103 listeners over the weekend. So thank you and hi to everybody that I met. Too numerous, too numerous, I have to say. And people were just so kind to Marcia as well. And and I really do appreciate uh, that. To people who are on their holidays at the moment, you've picked the right time to be off uh, for sure. Congratulations, by the way, to Limerick, their fourth All-Ireland final win in five years. And of course, the big one yesterday was their third in a row what is now propelling John Kiley and his team into Hurling's Hall of Fame and it was a terrific match and what struck me as I was watching the match Hurling when it is played well has got to be one of the most exciting sports to watch so congratulations because I do know that we have a number of Limerick listeners today to the programme particularly people just over the border with Cork and at Limerick so I imagine they will be huge, huge celebrations particularly I suppose for the last two years with during Covid times. They weren't able to celebrate as they would normally celebrate so I imagine there will be celebrations going on for quite some time in Limerick and Mary has come on uh, this morning by text uh, to say, Patricia on the match yesterday Brian Cody should be proud of his team. It would be nice, says Mary to see them win the Cup next year. Brian, at the end of the day it was only a point Limerick were just very lucky says uh, Mary thank you for that ok some of your other ca- oh some of your calls in I want to give this a mention talking of a match uh, listener somebody has called in I don't have a name but I do have a contact number on this Same, so, Patricia could you please give a mention to this for me I attended the Buttovent versus Ballyclaw game in Churchtown last night And unfortunately, I lost some of money. If anyone found it, could you pass my number on to them? I can, of course. So we'll keep a... um a track, We've, we'll have keep a note of that number. So if we were at the and v. Ballyclaw game last night, did you come across a uh, sum of money lost by one of our listeners please it would be nice for someone to be very honest to say yes I have the money and to pass it back and we'll pass, we'll exchange numbers. Uh, fingers crossed that we find the money for that person 0818 103 three. Okay Joe is on the phone lines this morning. Good morning Joe Good morning. You, uh, you want to, this is a water leak on the road in Lyscarrel?
1: Just beyond Lyscarrel and we say it's a boat No, we'll take up towards Mello, down about a mile, two miles outside Lyscarrel.
3: OK. It, and
1: that, the, that leak must be there six to nine months. And now, yesterday, myself and my wife were past years and we remastered it again. Every Sunday, we've travelled that road and the leak is there, the leak is there, the leak is there. It's a half a mile to two quarters of a mile flowing down the road, because there's a fall down the road. And yesterday, now, the weather so warm, and today, now, again, and they haven't still come out. But my main thing is, I would look at the star paper there with a friend of mine, and he says, it says on it here, 10 million flows out as Irish water bonuses. The farmers' payments are 19k on average. Where in the name of God are we going?
3: Yeah, and only on Friday, when we were teeing up about how warm the weather was going to be. I put out that appeal on behalf of Irish Water to, for all of us to conserve water, particularly with this hot spell that we have at the moment. Uh, and they're worried. I you know there was specific areas of West Cork in particular that they were worried about and that they may have to end up rationing water and you know, the effect that that has on businesses. Now, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that the report has been reported if it's there from six to nine months.
1: Oh, I, uh, I I presume it has, but where where where, is, where are Irish water in Why are they giving out nineteen K on average, like ten million floors out of Irish water? That's the taxpayer's money. Where in the name of God what's happening with this place at all? We're not, they're, they're just fools. They're not you over the company. at all just crazy. There's okay. no one like, there's no one responsible like
3: well, that, well, whatever about, and I can appreciate that water pipes can break and there are leaks, and it happens all the time. And we have very old infrastructure that they're trying to replace. And I accept that a pipe will break, but for something, what you're saying, a leak that's been ongoing now for between six and nine months, the damage that that's doing to the to the road as well to have water flowing on it constantly.
1: Yes, that's right. What's do only in by the verge of the road? It flows away because it doesn't fall down.
3: Yeah. But it still it'll still damage the road, the infrastructure, of the road you know okay, we're contacting irish water i I'm, I'm I'm convinced they must have been alerted to it, but we'll see if we can get any kind of a timeline on when they're planning on on sorting it out said,
1: there was a, there was a major leak by a, a friend of mine as well, right side, maybe about a quarter a mile away from me there last year, and he was on them for months and months and months about the leak before they came out, definitely two or three months and the water's flowing out in yeah,
3: I wonder how they prioritise leaks I, I really do OK listen Joe thank you for that and we'll get on to Irish water in the meantime ask,
1: ask him about the bonuses no uh, £10 million
3: <laughs> flows out as well OK the £10, the 10 million, it was uh, £10.1 million in performance related was paid to workers over the past two years OK
1: performance <laughs> okay, what performance are they performing?
3: Well, they say there were 765 eligible workers. I'm, well, I'm assuming the workers get assigned the jobs and they get out and and do what what they're told to do. So oh, I'm I'm okay, assuming then it then was it was paid it was paid for that. But it does seem a lot of money when 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 I appreciate what you're saying when there's leaks all over the place. I'm
1: mighty glad everyone in the country is working. They don't get bonuses. They get their wages and that's easy. Why are they getting 19k on average?
3: Yeah, I w- yeah. I wonder what the bonus how the bonus arrangement on, comes that's into
1: That's
3: on the staff today. Yeah, no I, I I have it here in front of me. Yeah. Alright, listen thanks for that Joe okay. and uh, thanks uh, for joining us 0818 103 103. and just one final one that came in earlier from uh, D on WhatsApp to say, hi Patricia wondering if you guys know what is the deal with hotels refusing to accept cash for payment on arrival anymore. We've got a family holiday booked in West Cork next week and they've just emailed to say they won't accept cash on arrival for payment. Can you check out is this uh, legal? and it is uh, legal we do know and i know we've spoken with Jewel from the consumers association before and i do know for example if you are going into a shop cash is legal tender and you know the way you'll see a sign saying cards only technically if you have cash you could argue that cash is legal tender and they have to take it from you but hotels are different and we've just gone on to Dermot Jewell just to get the confirmation on this a hotel is fully entitled to require cash. Are card only provided that they give notice that this is going to be done you can't just arrive at the hotel you're going to stay there and then they only inform you that you have to have a card they can't do that to you but D the fact that they've sent the email in advance to let you know it is card only and it is done it's a form of security so what the hotel is doing is uh, nothing irregular they are allowed by law uh, to do it but as I say in as far as in a restaurant and in a shop or any other business you can argue the toss and say cash is legal tender but it is different for a hotel and I suppose when you think about it you go into a hotel you you pay for your stay they'll take a card number from you and then they have your card details if for example over the duration of your stay you start booking you know booking things to your room you start getting meals or you have a few drinks at the bar and you sign it to your room nothing to stop somebody hitting out the back door as it's time to leave and if they don't have card details they could have people taken off without paying the bill so I can kind of understand from a security point of view why hotels uh, do it so no uh, D they're not doing anything illegal but enjoy your holiday in West Cork At last week's meeting of Cork County Council Independent Councillor Ben Dalton O'Sullivan put forward a motion calling on the local authority to write to the Minister for Social Protection asking for a change in how payments are made to carers following the death of the person that they have in many times been providing full-time care to. Councillor Bell Dalton joins me to explain more. Good morning to you, Ben. Good morning, Patricia.
4: Good morning uh,
3: uh, And you're welcome to the programme. I suppose, can you start by outlining what happens to the carer's allowance on the death of the person needing care?
4: Absolutely, Patricia. So I suppose when... A person dies that has been cared for, for. the carer receives the carer's allowance for 12 weeks after the death. And then after that, then the allowance is stopped and they have to either go um, go on the live register or find alternative employment or a new job. And I suppose where this motion was coming from, oh, and just before that, Patricia, it's worth saying as well that if a person is caring for someone who wasn't their spouse, their payments are stopped then straight away. So if it's a spouse they're caring for, they can retain the pension for I think it's six weeks. But if it's someone who isn't a spouse, their payment are cut off on the day of the yeah, day.
3: Yeah, I, I heard a very sad case of, of somebody who was looking after her adult son who she'd looked after all of his life. He had very complex needs and he would have been on a disability allowance. And that disability allowance literally stopped the week yeah. he died. And that money had been contributing to the That's household budget.
4: Absolutely and yeah. it's frightening Patricia and it's worth saying as well that carers at this moment in time are saving the state €20 billion Euro a year by keeping their loved ones out of nursing homes, out of hospitals and doing the care at home and at home is the best place for the care according to Family Carers Ireland and HSE uh, reps and all that.
3: Okay but so they, so they get the payment for 12 weeks and you 12. want that extended?
4: I want that extended to 24 weeks. And for the simple reason is often it's the carer who has to arrange the funeral. Often, you know, often the carer could be burnt out after many, many years of care and just needs time to themselves. And I had a few cases there recently where um, where a loved one had passed away and the carers came to me and they said, you know, caring is the most honourable thing anyone can do in the world is care for their loved one. But it does take a toll on the person. And they're just saying 12 weeks isn't enough. Yeah. They just need that extra breathing space just to recover and then go back into the workforce. Yeah.
3: And you, you think of the carers who have been caring for many, many, many years returning to the workforce can be very difficult. I mean, many people might have lost skills, will need to retrain. And it isn't just a simple thing of, oh, I'll just apply for a job and I'll go from this caring role that I was doing and I'll suddenly slot back into to the workforce again.
4: Yeah, it's not realistic. It is absolutely not realistic. And I suppose, you know, when you expect the carer to go through the whole process of arranging the funeral, doing the formalities, changing bills, changing bank accounts, all the stuff that has to be done after death, and then just to magically walk back into the workplace, it's not feasible in many, many cases. And I think you know, there's so much that needs to change around the, the rights of carers in this country. And I think that's something that needs to happen ASAP, just to give yeah. them the extra
5: breathing room.
3: And I think it's a simple enough one that's not going to cost the state that much. Because as you say, they can switch over onto the live register, which I'm imagining is what a lot of them will do. So it's not going to cost the state a huge amount to keep them on the carers allowance for an additional 12 weeks.
4: No, and like if there is if there are carers out there who want to just go back into the workplace and want to just go sooner rather than later in, back into the workplace, that's fine. Yeah, They yeah. can do that too, that option is there. But there are people... like What's worth mentioning as well, Patricia, you, even if you're caring for 15 or 20 years in this country, there is no PRSI entitlement. So when it comes to the day where you're looking for your pension, it's a non-contributory pension. And if someone is careful and they put away a bit of money or if they are just careful with with, them, with their finances everything is means tested and that's wrong as well so like there's
3: oh, no I, 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 yeah so they're they're not attached to prsi contributions no. in any no oh that's very unfair
4: which is very unfair and that has to change too and you know something like but even there's there's so much that needs to change around the the whole carers allowance system um just to just to widen the entitlements for people and to make it a bit easier on carers in this country
3: yeah, because you talk to anyone who tries to get a carer's allowance. It's it's very, very strictly uh, means tested. You raised it at Cork County Council. Did you get a lot of support from fellow councillors?
4: Full support. And Did you? Um, it, was, it was seconded by um, East Cork Councillor, um, Independent Mary Lennon Foley, who was very strong in seconding it. And the, the Mayor, Danny Collins, he was very strong in supporting it as well. And other councillors from all parties and none across the chamber were very supportive. And um, I suppose the main question that came out of it is who cares for the carer? That's what the council are asking, who cares for the carer in this country? And uh, in fairness to Councillor Danny Collins, the mayor, he's going to write to the minister. And hopefully when the budget comes up, there might be a change. Fingers crossed. But
3: um, Yeah, because and, and you mentioned way. it. You know, let's never take away from the fact that they saved the state. Huge, huge. 20 billion. So, yeah.
4: 20 billion a year.
3: Yeah, and, that's, and, and, and and I've heard that figure be mentioned before and it, it could even be higher. No, because you can't put a price on the type of care that carers give and many of them are so isolated and they don't have the support and COVID did so much damage uh, to carers and people lost support that they had before COVID and a lot of that additional support has not come back.
4: No, it hasn't come back. It hasn't come back and like carers do absolutely fantastic work in the country, and like there are changes that need to happen just to make it easier for them. And changes like there's obviously um, changes needed in the support services offered to them and entitlements, etc. But this is just one small thing that I think would help them a little bit when the time comes if their loved one passes away. You yeah.
5: know, it would help um,
3: well done, well done. I think it's I think it's a good motion. I think a lot of people will agree with you on it. Let's let's see where you get on this one, Ben. In the meantime, thanks. thank you for that, and thanks for joining thanks. us. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, thank good, you. good morning to you. That is um, Independent uh, Councillor Ben Dalton. eight one eight one zero three one zero three I can see a number of people are picking up on Joe, who joined me on the comment line. A couple of minutes ago, when he was talking about this leak, that it's he's just, it infuriates him because he reckons the leak has been there on the Liscarral Road. He reckons between six and nine months with the Irish Water, you know, telling us all about that we need to watch, you know, limit our water and conserve our water in the heat wave and all of that. And Joe, in particular, Besides that, leak is annoying and which we are trying to get uh, sorted out. But he in particular is annoyed about the fact of this breaking news story about Irish Water paying these bonus, performance related bonuses to their staff. And it is over 10 million has been paid over the past two years. Bonus pay to workers at Irish Water was up more than 4% last year. Uh, last year when it paid out million uh, euro and it went to 783 eligible employees. Irish Water declined to provide a list of the top 20 performance-related payments During the past two years, saying obviously that would identify individual employees. Uh, However, it said the average performance related award among the top 20 staff during 2021 had worked out at just under 20,000 per person. That's a bonus on top of their wages. God, that's thing. I'd love a job where you could earn a bonus of 20000 Um, Irish Waters say that its managing director wasn't eligible for a bonus and wasn't included in the figures that was released. The Water Utility said all performance-related pay was fully taxable, well, it would be, and it uh, did not count for calculations for pensions. It said it was directly linked to rigorously assessed performance against pre-agreed individual team and company targets. Irish Water kept overtime costs to the bare minimum over the past two years with just 116,000 paid out to a small number of staff who had to work out of uh, hours. Now, you see, I think a lot of listeners who complain about Irish Water and who complain when leaks happen and leaks aren't fixed or people having problems with their water would prefer if Irish Water paid their staff overtime for working out of hours to sort problems rather than paying out what looks like very very generous bonuses over 10 million and up to 20,000 euro per person as a bonus that's on top of their wages. I'd love to know what their wages are the wages of the top 20 who worked out who got that 20,000 in a bonus but of course they're not going to give you the breakdown they're not going to give you that type of information. Hi Patricia I feel Irish water is a pure joke says this listener and somebody else says Patricia when I mentioned that we're contacting Irish Water about that particular leak that Joe, just to make sure that they know about it. I'm sure they do. Somebody says, uh, Patricia, listen to there about Irish Water. No point in phoning them. Uh, what I would suggest you do is phone the nearest council office to report them. That's what I did. And that's what worked for me. Thank you for that. 0818 103 103. John Paul has taken your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862. 103
2: 103 Court today on C103
6: with John Cusack Insurances Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie
3: one of the kindest hairdressers we know is Joe Byrne of Joseph's Hair and Beauty Salon in Glasheen along with his team he has once again decided to try to help those families in need who are struggling with back to school costs. And I'm delighted to say to find out more, Joseph Byrne joins me. Good morning to you, Joe.
7: Good morning, Patricia, my love. How uh, just hold on now, put down to sun lotion uh, as that I'm bathing uh, here in my trunk <laughs> in the back yard.
3: And make sure you have loads of factor fifty on you and because
7: fifty you, on my face and uh, fifteen on my body.
3: Oh now, I know you in particular hate the praise, but you really are an incredible human being and I want to acknowledge that. But tell me how people can help you to achieve what you're trying to do this year.
7: Well, like last year, Patricia, what we're doing is back to school for, for, for kids um, in a situation that can't afford their school bags, um, copies, pencils, buyers, geometry sets, all this sort of stuff. Um, there's a huge need out there at the moment, Patricia, absolutely huge. There's loads of people contacting me and we have Edel House and we have Lee Refuge and we have people from penny dinners and the whole lot of money try been sought out. Um, very worthy cause, if we want to call it the cause, people are very much in need at the moment, Patricia. And I certainly don't want kids going back to school, not having the right stuff and even being bullied or yeah. being mocked for not having a nice school bag or their pencils and things like that. You know, so it's a crude world out there. Sometimes, and you know, it it, it's, it could be great if we can have everyone started.
3: Okay, so do. people people can donate the particular items to you, or is it cash you're looking for? What are you looking for?
7: Well, I never like cash, but even though I have got it, okay. I ask, um, particularly you know, buyers' pencil cases, things like that, yeah. books are vouchers for E's yeah. or
5: even
7: vouchers for Dunn's that they could get a uniform, but mainly. Um, vouchers for Eton's or somewhere like that. Um, the book station there in Douglas, Patricia, are actually amazing. So people could go in there and get a voucher or even leave stuff in there for to, to collect, you know.
3: Okay, okay. And then, how how do you distribute the out? Uh, I mean, you mentioned Penny Dinners, you mentioned Coonley, you mentioned Del House. You give them in and let them decide who needs them, is it? How do, how do you d- distribute
7: it? Well, I teach their house now, because literally with a carload of stuff Great. every so often, they divide and then cost, they'd be different ages, they'd be different sex, you know what I mean? Um, and the same then with um, Coonley Refuge, I'd find out who's in there, what age, they're not bringing the stuff in there, what they really need. And um, Katrina from Penny Dinners would give me a shout, say, Joe, we know we need X, Y and Z, do you have it? Um. And then you see Patricia. I have private individuals ringing me as well, saying, "So are you doing that again this year? Last year it was fantastic. Really appreciate it." And I say, "Yes, of course. What do you need?" And you'd also have um, parents with special needs kids that might need colouring copies. You know, I don't understand no copies with certain colouring lines in them or something like that.
3: Okay, you know? okay. okay You're you're learning though. You're learning. You're learning what what the kids uh, need. And Joe, when you're doing people's hairs. Do they open up about how how tough it is out there at the moment?
7: Very much, yeah. I find that, you know, as I always say, as a psychiatrist and psychologist anyway, but people would say to me, you know what I mean, Jesus, George, it's very tough at the moment, or my granddaughter's find it very tough, or my daughter's find it very tough. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of talk about and grandparents really trying to help their own kids. And again, you know, grandparents babysitting their kids, minding their children. Um, minding our grandchildren, I mean to save their their own kids at the expense of that. You know.
3: Yeah, I think. But yeah, I I think. Things like yeah. that, Patricia. You know. I think grandparents are paying a, a much bigger role than is even recognised between, as you say, their full time child minders. Many of them are getting on in years, but they're trying to help out their children yeah, who can't afford childcare. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah they're helping out they have
7: to help financially and they're They are giving their time and and Patricia's some of them are not able for it. You know what I mean? They wouldn't say to the the their kids or something, but they said, "Jesus." You know, I'm exhausted or whatever know, like
5: that. I know, I
7: know. And you know, I like my own mother. My own mother was mine and grandchildren she was the doustest thing ever when she was mind and no, she paid ahead of us. <laughs> so it's different when you're, when you're mind is someone else's kids.
3: Grandchildren <laughs> are always very different oh, with the yeah, grandchildren. Oh my
7: god, they got away with so much. I say, ma'am, Jesus, if we did that we'd be murdered.
3: <laughs> now, you, you've you worked through many downturns. Is, is this one particularly bad? You see, it
7: is, Patricia, in the sense that I've even closed now on a Tuesday, right? I only open Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. So if i never drop stop the stuff in there, that's the place to drop them in. But we've closed Tuesday because it's not a crazy busy day and you have electricity of everything going and you might have one or two members of staff in and they're not even making their wages. So there's no point. So what it is, close closed Tuesdays to have Wednesday busy and what time the electricity and things on, you know.
5: Mm.
7: It's literally since COVID, I find it has changed an awful lot. People have changed their attitude towards hair the because they've learned how to do stuff at home. Now hair isn't a big priority either. You know what I mean? But people are struggling. Yeah, absolutely. Hair, hair is a luxury now.
5: Yeah, yeah. Most,
7: very much among the, the younger people. I, you know, I'm in Glaswegian you know, i and have a, a regular clientele and a fabulous clientele that would come every week. But you'd find the younger people now would, would wouldn't be as.
5: They don't Regular. go, yeah. They
7: put in the box colour themselves or if they're coming down for cut show, you would you mind putting in the box colour and the no, oh, she's, you know, extra charge for that course, you wouldn't. You know, we look after everybody. <laughs> and ourselves we look after ourselves as well, Patricia. But it is a harder year for people. I can see them people, I can hear people saying it to me and the phone calls I'm getting and the private messages I'm getting is... Tough, very, very busy this year. If
3: you know what I mean or not? Yeah, well, I
7: know. Articulate I d- it properly, possibly, but you know, it is out there, and people do need.
3: You work, as you say, very closely with uh, C- uh, Katrina Toomey of Penny Dinners, and and we regularly have Katrina on the program. Thank God that we have Cork Penny Dinners, because there would be families going hungry if it wasn't for. Cork Penny Dinners and other food banks and it's hard to even it would, yeah. it's hard to even think that in 2022 we have families needing to go to food banks I cannot it?
7: believe it yeah. you know Diamond house and always say, isn't this sad but even when we go into the house that they have an extension that they to actually put on an extension that have to, have to get more rooms that they're needed you know in this day and age you think they wouldn't be needed at all at this stage you know what I mean
5: they are, they
7: are. It, it, it is cruel um, and it seems to be getting worse and, you, you know, you, you have our guys open the door there and they're, they're going on and fighting and arguing with each other. They don't have a clue what's on the ground. They really do not know what it's like to struggle. And some people have said to me, why are you doing it so weirdly this year? I want parents to be able to enjoy their summer holidays with their kids and not be warned by stuff going back to school. And one woman said that, and she's already stressed over going back to school and they, they had not had just finished, yeah. Patricia, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we're doing because of a free... Um, Well, I don't like to work for you. We're doing a hair special day. Instead of a hoolie, we're calling it a schoolie on the 22nd This is This this is the
3: back-to-school haircuts?
7: Back-to-school haircuts. And then in the wonderful Flannery's, the staff and John and Pat over in Flannery's are giving us their marquee and they're going to do food and the whole lot.
3: So you make a party out of it. You're great.
7: And you know what I'm looking for now? I'm looking for someone, my God, that can entertain kids. I'm good, but I have so much I can do. I don't have kids, they're brilliant, and I find kids really cling on to us in that situation. I don't know, especially Darren on myself, I know that, that we're male figures or what it is, you know? Yeah. But yeah. they really kind of run around after they're drawing little pictures and saying, thank you, they're lovely. But if we had someone on the day that could do some form of entertainment, like a clown or children, news, yeah, or a, ch- a children's or, entertainer. Yeah. You know, we have. That's the date? The 22nd of August,
3: it's tw- Monday. 22nd of August, if there yeah, was I a children's no entertainer, yeah, something
7: that could, you know, I can only do so much, um, blah blah blah, you know what I mean, and singing. And I torment kids, down I mean, with the poor kids to be tormented by the time I finish to tell you that. Saturday, I torment the kids in a loving way, of course,
3: Trisha. okay. And people can drop into your salon any of the items that we've spoken uh, about yeah. or any of the vouchers yeah. Wednesday to Saturday. Listen well,
7: to. Yeah. Could I just say, though, I've got an amazing response from, you know, like um, Sean Murphy now from Energy Glazen, um 15 back to school for boys and girls, um, 500 euros from um, Flins in Parties Runner Middles, um, Bishopstown Credit Union, um, 400 euros worth of bags. You know what I mean? Yeah. People have really responded amazingly, and, and they do. And one guy said to me, sure I know what it's like myself, and now I have kids. Uh, you know what I mean? So. And I can afford it. So, Joe, I love doing this, and thank yeah. you for coming to us. You know,
3: those that have, please pass on to those that have not. Listen, you look after you, after yourself, and, and, uh, and kind Patricia, regards to Darren.
7: Can I say one thing to you? You're made for the red carpet, my darling. You're <laughs> absolutely
3: made for it. You're the kindest, sweetest man. Thank you for that. We'll we, we meet at the Oscars. We will. We will. God bless, Joe. Take care. Bye bye bye, you bye, you. Bye, bye bye. bye bye. That's so wonderful, Joe Byrne of Joseph's Hair and Beauty Salon in Glasheen. If you're anywhere near and would like to uh, donate, he just, just he does amazing work and he does a lot of it quietly, and people don't even realise the great work that goes on behind the scenes there so if you have any items that you'd like to donate towards back to school costs please be generous I'm Paula on text responding to my chat with uh, Joe uh, Byrne the, of uh, Joseph's Hair Salon says uh, Patricia your hairdresser is your free counselling service what they hear is like a confession box and I think every hairdresser will agree with that thank you for that Paula 0818 103 103. you can text her WhatsApp 0862103103. News his break and we head to news at 11.
2: Cork Today on C103. With Sean
6: Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know
3: who to talk to. CMIG.ie.
6: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: Uh, Just looking at some of your texts coming into the programme uh, when I mentioned Irish Water and they're paying out these huge bonuses performance related bonuses and up to €20,000 some of the top 20 received by way of bonus on top of their actual wages. It's really astounding. Somebody says, Patricia did I hear over the weekend that some of our TDs were complaining that their expenses were not adequate? Are they that much out of touch with the reality of life for the people who elected them? I thought I saw it somewhere and I just did a quick Google uh, search when your text came in but I can't find it but I'm sure I saw something but because I was away uh, having a nice weekend away with family didn't get to do a lot of catch up with news stories so you know, this was kind of a fleeting passing I saw I think it was more of a headline than anything as I flicked through the papers on Saturday morning. so I'm sure I saw uh, something and I think it's got something to do with they were saying the expenses with travelling to and from uh, the doll. obviously they were, the cost of getting to and from the doll would have gone up as it's gone up for everyone says you uh, with filling up their tank of petrol with diesel or with petrol and I'm assuming that's got something to do with it and then if they have to overnight in hotels we know hotel prices have gone up so they're probably saying that they need more money that way I'm assuming that that's what it was about I'll see if I'm um, this afternoon um, I'll see if I can find out more about it but as I say I have a fleeting memory that I saw something about it over the weekend. And then another listener is on when they were when I had my chat earlier with Councillor Ben Dalton O'Sullivan, who was trying to fight on behalf of carers and, you know, using the asking the question who's caring for carers? And it's been a question That never seems to get answered, certainly not in this country. And and I imagine it's probably reflected worldwide. Carers go about their job because they love the person that they're caring for. And because of that, they save the state a huge sum of money every year. Uh, But also they just they get sadly they get neglected and they never get looked after. And one of the things that Ben was talking about that I hadn't realised was that if somebody is in a caring role and maybe they have been working and then suddenly needed to look after maybe a, a husband or a wife or elderly parents became unwell or maybe they had a child with special needs and they just suddenly they give up work then and become full-time carers I thought that when you became a full-time carer and a carer's allowance I thought it was in some way linked to your PRSI contribution so when that person comes of age and it's time for them to draw their pension they'll be able to get a contributing pension but according to Ben that is not the case and Obviously, this listener thought it was the very same way. So, Patricia, I'm worried now listening to your programme this morning. I am the sole carer. That's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I have been sole carer for someone for the last 10 years. When he died, I went on disability means tested allowance, which is linked to my PRSI I understood that the 10 years of my carer's allowance would also be linked and I was of the belief I wouldn't lose any stamps by giving up work to go into this caring role. I'm getting the old age pension. I'm due to get it in September. But after hearing what Councillor Ben Dalton O'Sullivan had to say on your programme this morning, I'm now scared that I won't get a full pension even though I thought all along I had all my contributions paid for the last 30 years. What I suggest you do is t- t- just to allay fears more than anything and try to find out exactly what, what will be your contributions for your old age pension, having worked and your, you say your disability allowance is linked to your PRSI uh, contributions, but also so that you don't get a shock in September. If you can get on to the carers allowance, I just did a quick search on the at the carers, familycarers.ie and they actually have a guide to the state pension for uh, family uh, carers because they and they have a really good guide explaining everything but they do state that people who had to give up work or take extended periods away from work because of caring responsibilities your enti- your your entitlement to a contributory state pension may be affected so you need to check because it very much depends on um, when you were working, how long you were working, how much contributions you had, the age of which you paid those contributions is certainly way too complicated for me to explain it over the phone, over the radio to you. So I would suggest you either get on to familycarers.ie or the group that we all will send people on to Citizens Information because if you explain to them the position you're in, if you explain the years that you were working, the years that you were a full-time carer, the years that you have been on a disability allowance, they certainly will be able to point you in the right direction and do it today rather than sitting and fretting and worrying between now and September. Get the groundwork in now uh, so that you can find out exactly what is going to happen in September when you switch over to a um to the state pension. 08, and good luck with it, 0818103103. Somebody says, I'm delighted that Kilkenny put it up to Limerick uh, yesterday. Uh, at the end of the day, Kilkenny are indeed, many other counties don't have the huge financial backing and privilege that the Limerick team and all the backroom staff uh, have. Well, they're just lucky that they've managed to get the right backers, i.e. J.P. McManus. Uh, our other counties just jealous of the fact that J.P. McManus is in, is in Limerick. And when we discussed only last the week before, the pro-am that J.P. McManus Manus does and the wonderful money that's raised for charities in that area a- area. and I heard one of our own Irish golfers I just don't know which one it was made the point that they had J.P. McManus in, in Offaly because they'd love to see that kind of money flood into that area now we do benefit here in Cork in that if you just come over the border in Limerick Charleville for example St. Joseph's Foundation b- benefit from the pro um, but yes I have heard that criticism before of the Limerick GAA in the great financial backing that they They have O eight one eight one oh three one oh three and I started the programme talking about the the hot weather we have at the moment, but I tied it in with the how Europe is sweltering with the heat wave they've had and all the fires that they've have having and the number of deaths that they're having as a direct result of a heat stroke. Mike says thousands of people have died in France and Spain, in Portugal and other areas of, of Europe due to the heat waves at uh, this summer. Because remember, this isn't the first heat wave that they've had across mainland Europe. They've they've had certainly two major heat waves and. Thousands of people have died as a direct res- result of it. Yet, says Mike, our politicians are dragging their heels when it comes down to implementing climate change measures. And the whole climate change measures, it's such a controversial issue, isn't it? And I know and I was listening to the Minister for the Environment, Eamon Ryan, he was speaking at the weekend. He says that, that he says that the legally binding targets for emission cuts will be signed off before the end of this month. And he says it's up to each of the different sectors, the transport sector, the energy sector, the commercial building sector, public buildings and agricultural sector. Everybody has to do their bit. But of course, the big battleground for the government is going to be on agreements with the agricultural uh, section. Uh, because Ireland, we have as a country, we've committed to having our greenhouse gas emissions by twenty. 30 and a net zero emission by 2050. They are very, very ambitious targets. If you listen to Eamon Ryan of the Green Party, he says they're very doable. But you talk to other sectors who say they're not, they're going to be very, very difficult to uh, achieve. So it's the farming sector is the one that there's a lot of commentary on at the moment because the government have agreed a, a carbon budget in the lead up to the next budget, but details haven't been agreed for the farming sector. And remember, the farming sector is the biggest source of greenhouse gas in uh, Ireland. And that's where Eamon Ryan was speaking at the weekend. He said that there's a lot of discussion going on. He's having a lot of discussion with the Department of Agriculture into how we can do it, but at the same time, increase incomes to Irish uh, farmers. Now, the Climate Change Advisory Council. They've recommended carbon cuts for the agricultural sector between 22% and 30%. The Green Party, it appears, is pushing for it to be the higher figure, the 30%. Obviously, the farming sector wants that lower figure of uh, 22. But if we go with the 30% cut to the agricultural sector, it will definitely mean a cut in the national herd and Eamon Ryan himself at the weekend said that some of the measures that he's hoping to bring in will involve reducing the number of cattle that are in this uh, country. He says some of the measures will increase income to Irish farming but it will also see a reduction in animal numbers and that's where farmers themselves are worried. Farmers with large herds, they do not want to see any cut in their cattle uh, numbers. And that's where the argument, I think, is going on with at the moment. I mean, and then Eamon Ryan went on at the weekend to say, look, this isn't just the Green Party making this uh, up. He says this is something that has been agreed and this is something that is based on science. He said all of these targets have been set by sci- by scientists. And he said, if we want to stop the world burning, if we want to stop what's happening right across Europe at the moment with these extreme uh, temperatures. Then he said, we have to make changes. He says it isn't just coming from the Green Party. It's coming from the scientists. He also went on to say, it's a coalition government that Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael have all committed to it. And he made the point that agriculture can't opt out. He says every single sector has to pay their part. And he said if agriculture doesn't do their part, then you're going to have the other sectors coming in and saying, well, you left farmers away with it. Uh, You've got to leave us away with it as well. He says there's a huge amount to do to cut emissions in the areas of transport and energy as well. So he's not saying it's all down to the uh, farmers. But he said no sector... Gets an out every sector is going to have a a challenge, and for farmers, he said the government was looking at ways of increasing the income of those who cut their emissions. So, only time will tell what this figure will be agreed on for the farming community? Will it be the upper end of a 30% cut in carbon or will it be the lower end? Because that came from the Climate Change Advisory Council. They're recommending somewhere between 22% and 30%. But certainly at 30%, there would be a cut in our national herd, which isn't going to go down well with all farmers. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862. 103.103 One hundred three, one hundred three. C one hundred three jobs. Aridin House Nursing Home—they've got vacancies for a healthcare and multitask assistance. They're also looking for laundry assistance. CVs, please to Chris at Aridin Construction workers are wanted for a new site in Cladarey. References required, and you need to have your own transport. CVs, please to Jobs at HamiltonFrench.com. A baker slash pastry chef is wanted full-time at Lucy's Good Food in Mallow. You must have at least two years' previous experience. You email Lucy 2000 at gmail.com. And a Purchasing and Procurement Coordinator is required in the Mill Street area for managing and purchasing stock. CVs, please, to katie.keen at peglobal.net. You'll find... All the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
2: Cork today on C103.
6: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale.
3: Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. for
6: motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie.
3: Now warnings have been issued to festival goers this summer about new psychoactive substances that are being sold under the guise of MDMA pills or even cannabis. Nicole Ryan from Mill Street lost her 18-year-old brother Alex when he took a synthetic drug and she's calling for pop-up drug testing labs to be introduced at music festivals in this country. i would like to say, Nicole Ryan joins me. Good morning to you, Nicole. Hi, good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, and you're welcome to the programme. Now, they do this in the UK. So I suppose, can you explain how these pop-up labs work at a festival?
8: Yeah, so the Loop basically in the UK does it at all the kind of major festivals that are out there. And what they do is they set up a tent, they have lots of information, and you can basically go with whatever kind of drug you have there and ask them to test it. I think it takes roughly about forty-five minutes for them to test the substance and give you the results back. Um, once you get the results, then it's kind of up to yourself, but they can easily dispose of it at the tent as well. And it gives them a chance to do a brief intervention during um, this time because they'll have information, they'll have leaflets, they'll have booklets. So it's a really great harm reduction measure for people. Um, and it just kind of sometimes can deter people from using because if you, for instance, thought you had MDMA and it turns out you had the N-bomb, you'd more likely not use it at all.
3: Yeah, and then you can have somebody there explaining to you what can happen if you take yeah. this. Yeah, yeah and, and, and I suppose if if at these test centres, these these pop-up labs, if they find something that is potentially dangerous, they then can be alert that this particularly dangerous drug is available across the festival.
8: Exactly, yeah. Out there, you know, whatever drug it is, it's not it. If you come across these pills, just be weary and be careful. And it alerts the wider kind of festival-going society as to what's out there at the moment.
3: And the festival-goer doesn't get a criminal conviction because that's what people will be most afraid of and they're not going to get fined or anything by exactly. going going along to the lab.
8: Exactly. Yeah. There's no criminal conviction. There's no penalising or anything like that. It's just brief intervention, real harm reduction and really saving people's lives.
3: Because do you, do you think that some people might actually, if they're attending a festival, might be afraid to look for help if they or a friend become un, uh, unwell because of what they've taken and they're afraid, oh, I can't dob my friend in, so we'll just try and look after them ourselves?
8: Oh, 100%. All, like, it happens a lot of the time as well, like when people die at festivals because their friends just have no clue. They get really afraid. They're afraid that if they call an ambulance they get help, that the guards will start getting involved, all of this kind of stuff. And a lot of the time, they actually don't know what to do. Um, first, base, first aid skills just aren't there because there seems to be a discord between overdoses and any other CPR measure, like a um, CPR situation. People generally think that if you do CPR on someone who is having an overdose or is, you know stopped breathing, then you're going to just kill them or whatever. When in fact, actually CPR is the first point to call if someone's having an overdose, you know so it's just little information like that they don't
3: know. And is that the key to get help as quickly as possible?
8: Um, The key to getting help as quickly as possible is, like, if if people are using, don't use by yourself, don't use in secluded areas, tell somebody. And if somebody is, you know, if you're noticing somebody's not looking well or feeling well or they're telling you they're unwell or obviously they've dropped down or something like that, just go get the help immediately because it's minutes. You know, we're in minute stage and every minute counts. So never being afraid of calling an ambulance or calling someone at the festival who can help you will save somebody's life.
3: Do you think Alex could have been saved if he'd got help or or will you never know?
8: We'll never really truly know but I think that Alex would have definitely had a different type like he'd still be alive I think if somebody had administered some CPR
5: because at
3: the
8: time nobody did anything so he had no fighting chance at all.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's it's shocking. Um, Now I know, I, I read somewhere that the HSC would have information tents at some of the festivals this year. I mean, is that at least a step in the right direction?
8: Um, Yeah, I guess it is. I know that the Anna Liffey, actually, in Dublin, they did um, one, I think, two, three years ago, just for COVID. Um, They did, like, a tent whereby they, I think, I'm not sure did they drug test, but I think it was kind of gearing towards that, um, whereby they gave out leaflets, brief intervention, people can go in and, like, chill out, you know, and have a quiet space, have a bit of water, this kind of stuff. Um, So I suppose the leaflets are grand, but remember, Patricia, if you're, like, 18, 17 or 19... And you're going to your first festival or you're, you know, you're drinking with your friends or having a laugh. Someone gives you a leaflet. You're just going to be like, you're not even going to read that.
5: Yeah,
3: Yeah, (laughs) you're creating litter at the festival, I think, Um, 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 uh, more more than anything. But does it worry you to hear? And and I know we covered it recently on the programme that the availability of cocaine in particular, that any young person will tell you it's it's easier to get cocaine than it is to go and get drink because a lot of the off-licenses the majority of off-licenses are so strict on underage drinking and not mm. selling to underage but like young people will tell you how easy it is to get whatever drugs they want. Does, does that worry you?
8: Oh it does but it's been going on for ages you know it's not a new statistic it's not a new thing and especially in rural Ireland like cocaine use is massive uh, it's just it's just both unreported or kind of you know unseen in the sense but it does worry me because like it's just so easily accessible to them. And it's are younger and younger if they get exposed to drugs, you have all the social media channels whereby drug dealers also sell drugs through social media, you know. So it's very easy to get this kind of stuff. And unfortunately more and more younger people are having issues with cocaine. Like we saw there was a statistic recently else that, you know, seventeen to eighteen year olds had really big problems with it.
3: Interesting to hear you say a rural areas, because there will be a belief amongst a certain generation, or oh, this—that's only something that happens in the bigger cities.
8: Yeah, no, not at all. Um, it's like rural is nearly—I think sometimes worse because in rural, like there's nothing for a lot of young people to do. You know, rural is quite um, unfunded in regards to services and things for young people, little outlets, even youth clubs. Like I know at home the military, we don't have any youth kind of club or anything like that happening for young people. So what are they going to do? They're going to just meet up at the local park, go drinking, do whatever, the same kind of stuff, you know. So it's quite easy to fall into that.
3: How are your education programs going? Going great, yeah. I'm having a break
8: at the moment because, you know, they're all off school and stuff. But, yeah, just gearing up for the new e-learning program just to pilot in September and the workshops continue to, you know, rage on.
3: And you go into, just remind us what you do, you go into schools?
8: Yeah, I go into schools and I do um, a workshop with them, all about drug use, um, substance use, giving them the knowledge and the tools that they need because at the end of the day it's always their choice, you know what I mean? They'll always make a choice for themselves, but having all the information helps them make a very educated choice, and I share my own personal experiences, my brother's story, all of that kind of stuff. It's quite fun, but it has a real real message to it, um, and I don't know, I guess for the last six years it's been working, so I must yeah. be doing something right. <laughs> yeah,
3: you are. You are. And what's this new programme you're, you're, you're working Hang
8: on? In? Yeah, it's an e-learning programme, so it's to help. Um, basically, it's to teach second years about substance use. And um, I kind of picked second year because I thought that second year is a good time because, they're you know, in first year they're very young and they're just coming into school and it's all exciting, but in second year they start to make their clicks
5: mm-hmm. and
8: their groups and they start going to teenage discos. So by the third year they're already exposed to a lot of this stuff. Um, so it's about helping the teacher teach it in an um, educational setting with their SPHE curriculum. It's basically all animated, voiceover is me. The teacher just facilitates the lesson and the games, and the students get that kind of external feel that they're looking for because, you know, it's kind of hard sometimes to talk to your teacher about sex and drugs if they teach you.
3: Yeah, as as yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or even to parents, it's one of those, yeah. yeah. Oh God, <laughs> it's them nagging again kind of thing. And I like the idea of e-learning, it, so it means you, you go nationwide with it.
8: Yeah, that's, well, that's the, that's the plan. I'm hoping to pilot ten schools um, across uh, maybe Munster or whoever wants to sign up because it's, v- it's virtual, you know, so I don't have to really be in the room. But I do, I will bring in the element of me coming in to visit them in person and to share Alex's story and to really enhance it that way. But ideally, it's just to kind of scale Alex's adventures that it can be rolled out anywhere.
3: Well done. Well, well done. You And you're doing addiction counselling, isn't it?
8: Yeah, so I, uh, yeah, I yeah I do addiction counselling uh, a little bit on the side, and then I have another job working with social enterprises. So, so it's all good. You're busy. You're busy.
3: You're a busy young woman. You really are, and and you're a credit to your 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 family. Keep flying the flag. You're doing amazing work, and and you are, and and will save lives. You know, I know you'll you you'll never be able to point to a life that you've saved, but you know, somebody listening to one of the workshops that you've done, or would hearing you speak on radio or other media outlets, you know. Know, you 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 will save lives and you've done so already. So well done, well done to you. Listen, always a pleasure having you on the program, Nicole. Thank you for that. Thank you. And thanks for joining us. Day, bye, uh, bye, bye bye bye. That's the the lovely Nicole uh, Ryan, uh, originally from Mill Street. 0818103103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862-103-103.
2: Cork Today on C103. With John Cusack
6: Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie
2: Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on C103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103.
6: C103's Irish Sunday is the big show on your radio. Sunday mornings from 10.
2: Four hours of all time favourites from Clean Hagen to Mike Denver,
6: Susan McCann to Derek Ryan,
2: and Daniel O'Donnell to Nathan Carter.
6: It's Cork's greatest hits, guaranteed
2: and everyone is Irish.
6: Join us Sunday mornings from 10am
2: Irish Sunday on C103.
3: Or today on C103.
2: Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment.
3: 0862103103. And time for our monthly catch up talking about all things insurance. Once again Paul Kavanagh from McCarthy Insurance uh, joining me. Good morning to you Paul.
9: Good morning Patricia.
3: You're welcome to the programme. Now last month we spoke about dogs, dog attack, getting a dog bite and you spoke about how your how, you, how your house insurance can be covered and how you need to check to make sure that your house uh, is covered. But the issue of dangerous dogs I remember came up on the programme with somebody saying what about da- dangerous dogs? If you have one of the dogs that are listed on the dangerous dogs. Talk yep. to me about the insurance implications of that.
9: Well, I, I suppose the first thing anyway is that we need to know exactly what dogs we're talking about. And they're covered by the Dangerous Dogs Act 1986, which is available online. But in in the main, I suppose there's a few in there that you'll be surprised with. And then, and then there are others that you'll probably say there's an English bull terrier, American pit bull terriers and things like that. But the Alsatian is in there, the German shepherd uh, and the Doberman pensioner. So uh, these are uh, described uh, under the Dangerous Dogs Act, and there are certain restrictions uh, in the Act uh, relating to them. Okay, so Mm -hmm. as to what the the owner must be over 18, they must have a very strong lead, a person over 16 uh, can have them in their possession, but they must be muzzled in a public place and they must wear a collar uh, with the name and address and uh, all that kind of situation must be adhered to. And that's not happening. That is not happening out there, and the public are well aware of it, that it's not happening. So these are the complaints that are coming in in relation to them. But let's go to the insurance side of it, because I was listening very attentively to the expert that you had on last week about the dangerous dogs. Uh, And obviously the number of claims that have been made, over 120 claims have been made in relation to them successfully. Uh, where dogs have attacked people. And, uh, you know, I thought that interview was excellent last week and it gave all the information about, you know, a placid dog today may not be a placid dog this evening yeah. in in 30 degrees of heat. So there are, and where they're kept, et cetera, and how they're kept. So, insurance, when it comes to dogs, you've got to check your insurance because. There's no two policies the same. That's the first thing, and I keep saying that in relation to other bits and pieces, but in this one now it's really, really... Some insurance companies will not cover dogs properly in the public place. When I say properly, I mean so that they are protecting the public, right? So some of the insurance companies will not. They won't get involved in, in dogs at all. Others will and will restrict them. Others will even restrict them further. Some will have nothing to do with the dangerous dogs. So like, the, as I said, the most common ones there, the the, the household dogs that we know, that we see around the station in particular, uh, that a number of people think there's no problem. I don't need a muzzle. I don't need insurance. i oh, they either covered by my house or something or other. The fact of the matter is there might be no cover whatsoever. And then you're looking down the gun or the barrel of the gun,
3: mm-hmm. unfortunately. So, So are you saying that anyone that has a dog... When you're taking out your house insurance, you should alert your, your, your the company that you have a dog.
9: They're a member of your family. Yeah, uh, that, that's what I keep hearing. So let's let's hear about them. Let's find out about them, and let's make sure that everybody is properly covered in the in the unlikely event we'll call it of something going wrong. We want to make sure everything is fine. So the the, the dog. I think there was one question come into your program actually. Uh, in relation to it and and is the, if do the dogs need to be licensed of course they need to be licensed yeah, the first
5: yeah. thing
9: an insurance company is going to say to you if your dog isn't licensed is that dog doesn't exist at all is he, is he your property can you prove it
3: yeah and Liam the solicitor who was talking to us about it was saying yeah. he's dealt with, uh, with some cases where particularly if it's like a facial inju- injury uh, you're talking huge sums of money
9: absolutely uh, we've seen very severe claims with these, um, especially when people are attacked, people on bikes, would you believe, being attacked by dogs?
3: Or the poor postman or, and and now the, the postman, couriers. think. Cour- of the yeah. postman
9: maybe predominantly, but um, yeah, look. It, yeah, it, and
3: it, it isn't, I, I think, I'm, I might be wrong, but I think it isn't something that people think about when they're taking out their home insurance. They wouldn't even what think of mentioning that they have a dog.
9: We mentioned it a couple of months ago. We now have a list here that we ask people, and and they're looking at you when you're asking various questions. Yeah, have you a dog?
5: Have
9: you a dog? <laughs> yeah. Have you licensed? I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I just want to make sure that we're covering them and covering them properly. I think there was there was one other question raised by your solicitor in, uh, in relation to the landlord. The landlord is not is the landlord. If the landlord says you've no dogs, you're you're to have no dogs. Then you're to, you are to have no dogs. If the landlord's insurance cannot be called into, into, into play here, it's the tenant must have the insurance. It's the tenant owns the dog. Mm. So everything goes back to who is the owner of the dog. They're 18 years of age. They should have insurance on that dog. Some of the pet policies, as that solicitor pointed out, do have the cover. So it could well be that uh, you're, you're, a, you're a tenant in a house, in a local authority house or whatever. If you have pet insurance, check that as well to make sure that your pet is covered.
3: Yeah, but be particularly care- careful if you have one of the dogs that's listed on the Dangerous Dogs Act list.
9: Well, I, I can tell you, uh, I'm out and about in the town of my, uh People will see me around there with the tidy towns. And definitely over the weekend, I saw a marked increased checking of dogs by the guardies So something, did you?
5: something somewhere. Oh, yeah. I, did. I actually did. Yeah.
9: I'd like to tell listeners that I definitely did. And I I saw the Gardaí uh, stopping people with dogs and why have you not got a muzzle, etc. And the book was out, so
3: they're being followed up, which
9: is very, that's, that's good.
3: You have been warned. Now, let's move from the dangerous dogs and dog biting to home insurance premiums. I'm told they're increasing due to the cost of repair and inflation.
9: Well, we've been talking about the, the, the cost of repair. We've been telling everybody to get their sums insured increase because the cost of rebuilding your house in the first instance is up about 25%, 30%. However, it's even getting worse than that now because the, you can't get a repairman and the cost of repairs is, is escalating, mad escalation in the cost of repairs and getting anything done. So, now that's now feeding back to the insurance companies and the cost of their claims is getting higher, so they're now saying... Well, we're just going. We're seeing it. They don't tell us anymore, as you know, due to the Competitions Act. So now, we're seeing it in the premiums. The premiums are going up, on average, fifteen percent at the moment. We're seeing across the board five, ten, fifteen, twenty percent increase, and people are asking us what's going on. And actually, a few of them said to me, "Would you not mention it when you're talking to Patricia?" And I said, "I will."
3: Uh, and uh, well, yeah, and we do know anyone who's trying to build a house at the moment are if anybody is trying to get access to a tradesperson, they're all flat out, and we don't seem to have enough tradespeople, but everything has gone up from from as you say from the building materials, you know right the way up to the labor costs.
9: Absolutely, and, and, and then that's been reflected while we're talking about it on the motor side. We weren't seeing it all along. Motor insurance premiums were coming down, uh, coming down dramatically in a lot of situations, and we were seeing a small bit of normality. Now we have a huge problem. We can't get car hire. We can't get breakdown services. <laughs> and the cost of parts when we get them in is, has escalated as well. So this is now feeding back into the insurance companies. All their costs are going up. So all of a sudden there's been a halt on the on, on premiums coming down.
3: So motor insurance going up as well.
9: Well, I suppose I'm flagging it is what I'm doing here Patricia because we I, had
3: started to see a small
9: We did. decrease, fair bit fairness yeah. from 2017 we were we were down a good 60%. Was it okay. So I, yeah. I,
3: track, I
9: I track it every quarter uh, and uh, but I'm no I'm no seeing as you see there was a time when the insurance companies would flag it to us but the competitions authority ruled no 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 that's not on anymore so we said okay so now we see it in the premiums and then we asked the question well why has the premium gone up five percent why has it gone up ten percent well they're calling it's the word they're using is claims inflation the cost of the claims is going up you can't get a car to cost a car hire oh it's, it's just a never-ending circle isn't it
3: The car hire costs uh, Hmm. is is a huge one at the moment particularly for 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 tourists.
5: To be
9: quite honest I'm hoping that we'll have a few government ministers we should have a few hanging around Cork over the summer that that we can have a chat with and and, uh, what's happening here is that car hire as well as the the, the main car hire companies they all self-insure anyway they don't have insurance companies they get someone to front it so they self-insure themselves and they bring in lots of cars Oh, then you have the smaller companies that are insured by the insurance companies, but they're not, the insurance companies aren't doing it anymore. So if we could get a few insurance companies to insure a few garages to let out their cars, then I think we could solve the problem.
3: But you see, when because when we talk about car hire, we we specifically be been talking about tourists coming into this country and hiring a car and wanting to spend time and their hard-earned cash in this country. But what you're talking about is car hire, if if a car is getting... Re-
9: damage. have We have yeah. 80,000 damage claims a year in Ireland.
3: And the insurance company, and it'll be part of the premium. They'll offer you a replacement car if something goes wrong. But what you're saying is the cars are not available
9: available oh it's it's, it's it's causing delays we're getting a lot of complaints from customers saying what am i waiting on and, and the only way the only way if 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 the the garage themselves doesn't have a car if they have a car that they can give the client and we can put the insurance onto it all well and good but in a lot of instances the, the they're going to authorize repairers who do who have only uh, maybe 10 cars mm. But if they have twenty jobs, they can't. They can't have. There's only ten cars, so there's only there's only so much to go around.
3: Yeah, and a lot of people, if you're living in a rural area, you can't survive without your car.
9: You cannot survive. So I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm. I'm just trying to raise the, the 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 people's expectations. Here are very high at the moment, and and rightly so. And this is just something that we're going to have to tackle within the industry.
3: Okay, can we go back to uh, dogs for a moment? Mary says, uh, What happens in a scenario like this? You're out walking and somebody is walking with a dog on a lead, one of those extension leads that can put the dog walking 10, 15 yards ahead of the person walking the dog. I've seen, said Mary, people nearly falling over that lead. What would happen if somebody fell over and broke a hip or broke a leg? Uh, Who's responsible? The dog hasn't attacked anyone. but a member of the public has fallen over the lead belonging yeah. to the dog.
9: Absolutely. The, the, the owner of the dog is 100% responsible.
3: Even for somebody for tripping the over dog. the lead? Oh, yeah. they,
9: ha- they should have their own home insurance or pet insurance to make sure that they're covering that dog.
3: Okay. All right. Okay, so you could have a claim against the owner of the dog. Oh, no,
9: do you, it's, it, the, the claims, like I mean, with, with, with uh, your solicitor friend last week, his claims is no claim against the dog. The claim is against the yes,
3: yeah, the, of the owner, dog. owner of the dog. Yeah, the owner yeah, of the dog. The owner
5: of
9: the dog, and so it's vital that the owner of the dog is a over eighteen, and b that the, whoever they're letting hold the dog is over sixteen. Yeah, uh, for, for under under the 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 list of uh, uh, under the Dangerous Dogs Act. Normal pets, no problem whatsoever.
3: But that's why you have to have control of a dog. Yeah, I, when I you're can't. out in public. You must
9: have control, and and people are just going to have to. There's been a lot of dog ownership, especially during COVID. It, dog ownership has increased, but people need to be responsible. And as, and while I'm, I put my tidy t- town's hat on for a minute. Please, beg it in business.
3: Oh, Paul, the ongoing saga. Will we ever see an end to it?
9: We'll never, and we we have a we have we have a pilot going in from my for compostable cups. Would you believe? Yeah. Uh, it was one of the first in Ireland. It's going very well with Country Clean Recycling. It's actually flying it. And yesterday, when we were uh, emptying the bin, getting it ready for the lads to collect this morning, wasn't there a doggy poo bag inside? Ah, oh,
3: for God's sake! I for God's sake,
9: is cop, right. so, on. Look, cop
3: on! Goodness me!
9: Everyone needs to cop on, but I think we need to be responsible in our dog ownership. And look, I mean, let's, let's hope it gets better rather than worse.
3: Yeah, and from rem- it always remains a very tidy town. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're doing great work. Listen, Paul, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us this morning. Good morning to you. That is uh, Paul Kavanaugh of uh, McCarthy Insurance, just on dog licence that we touched on there with uh, Paul. Connor says, I've got two dogs and we have our up-to-date dog licences by them every year. But my neighbours have very large gates on the entrance to their dr- driveway so nobody can get in without being left in by the owners. When a dog inspector or a warden calls they can't access the house. What happens to those is many times the inspector uh, will call and I'd say they simply can't gain ac- access. And I don't know, do you know for sure, Connor, that your neighbours don't have a dog licence? I wonder, is that the point that you're trying to make? Now there's been a little bit of criticism about about Limerick's fourth all Ireland final win in five years and of course yesterday they completed their three in a row and some people are critical of the amount of money that's gone into Limerick GAA from one JP McManus somebody says Priti it's wonderful that JP raises the money through his pro-am for charities but and but is put in big capital letters it's not fair on other GAA counties to put so much money behind one county team they've been treated as almost Profes- professionals and paying for their every need. And it's not, says this texture, jealousy by other counties. Hurling is part of our heritage as an amateur, and I re- repeat, amateur sport sponsorship on the scale that Limerick has received has absolutely ruined it according to this texter. But then I see a WhatsApp in from Jerry, I think. Is this in from Jerry? Did I see a name on this text? I thought I did. Uh, anyway, who has a different view. He says, the criticism with J.P. McManus is, unwarr- is unwarranted. Tipperary had Neil Quinn in 2019. It's irrelevant in one sense when where, where it comes from. Money is money. J.P. McManus deserves a lot of credit for putting the money back in but it's not just money thrown in for the sake of putting money in Hurling Academies were started in 2011 uh, they were set up when the minor team lost 2014 the minor All-Ireland Final to Kilkenny produced a lot of yesterday's team had a Cork man Jerry Wallace coach 2002 to 2006 Cork team he was Hurling Director in the Limerick Academy then so rather people People bemoaning JP McManus's funding to Limerick. Why not speak to the huge Cork connection behind the Limerick team? Also, they've got a great statistician, a statsman in the form of Sean O'Donnell. That's from Jerry. Thank you, Jerry. just spotted your name. Who sent on links to pieces for me to uh, read about Limerick and, in particular, the statistician, Sean O'Donnell, the man with the inside track on Cork. So he's a a Cork man who is the statistician for uh, Limerick. And he sent me on other links. Thank you. I'll I'll try and get to read them uh, later on. But Jerry's making the point that, you know, the criticism is unwarranted and that the money was put in with the academies and working on the different teams and building up the team. And he is right. The minor All-Ireland team from 2014 a lot of those players were on the team yesterday and that isn't that all successful counties will will clearly show that it's when you build up the teams you start with the academies and you build them up from a young uh, age so is it just jealousy on behalf of other counties that Limerick has J.P. McManus and he has the funding to be able to put into their team. Your thoughts welcome to 0818 103 103. We're going to take a break. We have news at 12 on the way. It's Monday, so Annalise Drussell, our nutritional therapist, will be joining us. Get your questions in, please.
2: Cork Today on C103. With
6: Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. dot You're listening to Cork Today on Replay phone and text lines are currently closed
3: listen on the news there to uh, some research that's come out from social uh, justice ireland and they're calling for an increase in the provision of public transport in rural Um, in rural areas uh, the research from Social Justice Justice Ireland found a huge deficit in public transport provision in rural Ireland 74% of all journeys taken in rural Ireland were in a private car whereas in public transport it accounted for just 4.8% of all uh, journeys. I think anyone living in rural Ireland could have done that research for them and told them uh, the problem with uh, rural Ireland with public transport is the public transport unfortunately isn't there or what's there isn't adequate certainly more needs to be done thank God that we have some of those rural transport links if we didn't have them I don't know how uh, people would be coping 0818 103 103 keep your questions coming in for Annalise Driselle our nutritional therapist if she can help you in any way she's always a mine of information get your questions into John Paul or text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 Mary Bandon was on to tell us that a sum of money was found in Bandon on Saturday afternoon it was about half past one it was found on the upper side of south main street in bandon and it was near daniela's and we've all the contact details from so marian bandon if you think you lost that sum of money or you know of somebody that lost that sum of money it would be great to reunite the person who lost that we've still we put a shout out earlier as well for somebody who lost money if i can find It's there somewhere on my screen, but it's now disappeared. It was at the match. Oh, this was at the Butterfield-Ballyclaw game yesterday. Somebody lost a sum of money. If anybody was at that match yesterday, last night, Butterfield versus Ballyclaw. We have the contact details of the person who lost that money, if you can help us. And if you are heading to the beach today, and sure why wouldn't you be heading to the beach today? Remember to put your sunscreen on and all of that. But can you also remember... If you're going along and you're bringing the family, it'd be wonderful today to if you've got to go off to the beach and have a bit of a family picnic, etc. If you are going, will you please, please, please bring your litter home with you? Grony and Middleton was on to us. Uh, or the the last hour to say it's a real pity that those who attended the beaches at the weekend didn't take their rubbish home with them. In particular, Gráinne is talking about White Bay and parts of Roaches Point. They were littered yesterday evening and she was back out this morning and they're still uh, littered. Could you please, Patricia, remind people when they're visiting the beaches to bring their litter with them? See, I can't understand it. If you're going to the beach and you go to the beach and you have your bag with all your bits and pieces in it, if you're, particularly if you're bringing a picnic and you've got the family going. The bag that you go with, you should bring back all of the rubbish with you. It should be lighter coming back to the car than I was going because obviously it contained all, all the, the soggy tomato sandwiches that we all remember. And There's nothing like the taste of a soggy tomato sandwich if you're by the beach. Anyway, bring your rubbish home with you, please, and encourage your children uh, to do it. And of course, a great thing to do as well, if you're on the beach, is for everyone to pick up pieces of plastic. Now, the pieces of plastic that get washed in, a piece we found and picked up, I have to say, and disposed of correctly was a toothbrush. The, now the head was gone, the plastic. Part with the brushes with the bristles was gone but the rest don't know how long it had been in the sea or where it, it came from but it had washed up on the beach so if you all do your bit and get your children and children love getting involved in that get everyone to pick up so many pieces of plastic and just take them away with you and, and dispose of them that would be great that certainly would help all our wonderful beaches that we have we were talking about dog licences in the last hour and we had Conor on who is really annoyed because he's got his two dogs he's got his dog licence which he gets every single year But he's annoyed because his neighbour has gates on the driveway to their home that nobody can enter. So if the dog warden is coming around to check to see who has dog licences, this guy, the neighbours can never get checked. Dono says he's in the very same position as Connor, And he says that his neighbour has actually boasted about the fact that he doesn't have a dog licence and boasts about the fact that that there's no way a dog warden can check because they can't get access to the neighbour's house because there's gates at the end of the driveway these up to a house and a farmyard there should be some law allowing them to enter says Donal we could all do that put up big gates or well, what there should be what the man should do is he should be buying his dog licence that's what he should uh, be doing but I'm sure if a dog warden wants to gain access they can insist I'm sure there are already rules around doing that if there they want to gain access, and they don't call to everybody's house. But I'm sure the the rules and the laws are already in place. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Still getting in a lot of calls about uh, the Limerick match and the fine match that we had uh, yesterday, and Limerick now going into hurling's hall of fame with their three in a row. Let me give you a sample of some of the calls and texts in on this. Stephen said, You would have to admire Limerick, their style of play. I really would like to congratulate them and the fabulous match that they provided for everybody watching yesterday. And particular congratulations to uh, one of our own column Lines, who was the referee. Claire, thank you for that. Claire is in Kilmallock, and she says, JP McManus is a great man from Martinstown near Kilmallock. He does so much for Limerick and indeed parts of North Cork that has to be recognised rather than the criticism some people are pointing at and saying it's unfair that he put so much money into Limerick Dennis in Newcastle West says Patricia have you any update on the Limerick homecoming? I do the latest I have is Limerick's All-Ireland champions will receive a hero's welcome at the Gaelic grounds this evening gates will open at 5pm for the homecoming it's a ticket only event and the hurlers are expected to be on stage by 7pm this evening Mike in Newcastle West says from a referee point of view, it's now really at a different level. He wants to compliment and congratulate Column Lines, as somebody did earlier, of Nemo Rangers and his team yesterday. It was tough at all. It's tough at all level, but to be refereeing at All Ireland final level, it's got to be the toughest match. And Mike in Newcastle West knows what he's talking about because he was a referee himself for some 20 years. So well done. And I was thinking of them in the heat yesterday. It was such a warm, warm day uh, for everyone. So, you know, fair dues to all involved. Hi, Patricia. People complaining about J.P. McManus and the money that he puts into Limerick GAA, they should remember and bear in mind that J.P. McManus gave every county board in the hun- in the county 100k a few years ago. I didn't hear people complaining about that at the time, says Colm. Thanks for that, Colm. And Mary says, I'd love to see J.P. McManus give the Cope Foundation in Mallow some uh, donation What well, he does he certainly does give donations to disability sectors because I know from the money that he's given to St. Joseph's Foundation in Charleville so a lot of people in the North Cork area uh, benefit from that 0818 103, 103 someone else says a lot of Cork people are well off as well but they simply won't put the money in like JP does so I say fair play to JP McManus and let us never ever forget the wonderful work that he does for all of the other charities. Thank you for that. Now, I mentioned climate change earlier because I was talking about the government and the government are trying to sign off on climate change, particularly when it comes to the agricultural sector. It's going to be... A tough, tough battle because you're going to have the farming organisations, they're going to be digging in deep uh, on this one. They're going to be trying to get the best deal that they can for the farming uh, sector. But everyone accepts we need to do something about climate change. And we heard from Eamon Ryan. Minister for the Environment at the weekend saying don't be blaming the Green Party. He's just basing all of his evidence on the science and the scientists and what they are saying. Well Ross says, Patricia, no matter what we do on climate change, we're only a tiny island. Uh, we We can't make a such a big impact as some of the larger countries can do. It's what happens worldwide that will make a difference on climate uh, change. We are, as Ross says, only a tiny island. But I suppose the point is everybody has to do their bit, and that's what the scientists will say. And yes, I think do we produce one percent of the of the greenhouse gases worldwide? I think it's a, it's a tiny, tiny amount when you compare us to the likes of China, or Russia, or India. It is very tiny, but everybody has to play their part when it comes to climate uh, change and hi Patricia this is from Mary in League. it's all very well to reduce the national herd which is one of the things that will happen if we reduce if the if the carbon emissions are reduced or the greenhouse emissions are reduced by 30% which is what certainly is what Eamon Ryan wants he wants the upper end uh, of that figure Uh, so the national herd will have to be reduced so Mary says all very well to reduce the national herd and the reduction in fertiliser use will in the long term do this anyway any reduction in the national herd will mean higher prices for milk for cheese for butter and all meats as well as reducing farm incomes and it will reduce it by a huge margin we need to keep food production going to feed our nation as we all know worldwide there is going to be food scarcity and we've spoken about that before in the programme and then when you do get food scarcity or even the notion that there's going to be a shortage what happens it causes panic buying and rising costs we know we must do beyond our best to control climate change and a solution must be found and it must be found as soon as possible i think everybody needs to do their best and help each other to overcome this problem this problem but we need to do it says Mary in a very sensible way and Eamon Ryan in his defence did say that all the sectors have to play a part and he mentioned energy he mentioned transport I mean he mentioned it you know right across the board but I know whenever we talk about carbon and carbon emissions there's always a huge thing about, you know, the aviation, the aviation industry, every time a plane goes into the sky the amount of carbon that they burn and they don't pay the same carbon taxes or if any carbon taxes as somebody driving their car in and out uh, to work and there's always the criticism, how fair is, is that? But according to Damien Ryan every sector in this country has to step up to the mark and play their part. Thank you for those texts to 0862 103
2: 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With
6: Cork Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie.
3: 10th anniversary gala fundraising social dance for Marymount Hospice. That will take place in the Fergrove Hotel in Mitchellstown. It's happening tonight. Music is by Peter Burke, special guests Art Supple and Bachelors in Trouble. Dancing is from 8.30. There will be a raffle, like refreshments will be served, and admission is 10 euro and the newly reopened Hannah's Bar that's previously Griffin's in Scanakilla. On the Mallow to Kildaree Road, they're inviting senior citizens to join them this afternoon. And every Monday afternoon between 2 and 5, you can join in their talent competition. They have a winning prize of €100 for a local charity of your choice. Great fun guaranteed. And Avendu Blackwater Partnership are holding an information session entitled Everything You Want to Know About LGBTQI+ but we're afraid to ask. It's in the Mercy Centre in Mallow. It's this Wednesday morning from 11.15 to 12.15. Refreshments will be provided and information leaflets will be available to uh, take away. And St. Patrick's Cemetery Mass will be held next Friday at 7pm. All are very welcome.
2: Court Today on C103.
6: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance...
3: Inchidani inshore lifeboat have become increasingly worried about the volume of beachgoers who are swimming in the Western Channel at Inchidani. And to explain more, I'm joined by a member of the Inchidani inshore lifeboat and that is John O'Sullivan. Good afternoon to you, John.
10: Good
3: afternoon, Patricia. On an absolutely beautiful day. Are you down around Inchidani today?
10: I am. I'm down here at the moment, yeah. It's, uh, it's quite busy there now again today, to be honest with you. Patricia. Is it?
3: it? continues, yeah. It's quite busy, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, they're just so pleased. And, and the reason for this interview is we want people to go to Inchidani and enjoy it, but we want people to go and be safe. Talk to me about the Western Channel at Inchidani and why it's so dangerous.
10: Yeah, I think, Patricia, if uh, people know in Chilani, they know there's two uh, very, very large beaches there, the East Beach uh, East, Be- East Beach, and the West Beach. And the thing about them is that there's uh, the lifeguards patrol both of those beaches and set up um, red and yellow flagged swim zone areas that are safe to swim in and monitors. But then we go to the Western Channel, which has always been a dangerous place uh, down in Chilani. What basically happens is the tide comes into that area It fills up an area that's known as Mucca Strand. And as the tide turns, it's trying to push out through a very narrow gap between uh, that west piece of Inchilani and Dunmore, creating uh, a very strong wind current there.
3: And local people know this and therefore won't swim, but it's people new to the area.
10: Absolutely. uh, uh, If you know Inchilani, as I said, uh, the western car park, there's a public car park down there. And people get out of their cars, Patricia, and in fairness to Cork County Council, on that access down to the beach, they, are, they have installed signs. there there with years saying, this is a dangerous area, do not swim in this area. But unfortunately, people bypass those signs and they go straight down onto, the, onto that beach, which is, there's no point saying anything about it. It's a beautiful part of Inchilani, mm. but it's
5: legal.
3: Yeah, and you know, I was on Long Strand on Saturday and there's signs up there talking about the rip currents and this isn't a safe place to swim. But when you're looking out at it, you'd be thinking, what are those signs for? That's beautiful beach. That sea is grand and calm, that'll be fine. But those signs are there for a reason.
10: Yeah, Patricia, and even in the Janani, uh, the lifeguards will set up every day. There'll be slightly different areas on the east and west beach where the lifeguards will set up their red and yellow flag swim zone. And if you notice them, they'll move them slightly as the tide flow and uh, it depends where the tide is is falling or rising. Because there's rip currents, Patricia, on every single beach in Ireland. And they can be hard to spot at times. But the thing about Inchilani and the thing about the western channel in Inchilani is we know, like clockwork, when that tide is going to fall, there will be rip currents there. And there's a problem with there as well is that the beach shelves, I think everybody knows Inchilani is a very flat beach you know, it's a very safe beach to go swimming in. The water doesn't get deep quickly. But the problem with the Western Channel is it falls
3: away within a metre of walking into the water you could be over your head. Oh my that's goodness. And, that's, and that, if you're not a strong swimmer, are not expecting it. That's just... Because I I had Roger Sweeney on from the Irish Water Safety uh, on Friday because, you know, we, we knew that this good weather was going to come and people would be heading to the beaches and heading to the waterways. And, you know, there have been two tragic drownings last week. And then even last night, there was another tragic drowning in in Kilorgland. So that's why when lifeguards, when you go to, a, you pick a beach that has a lifeguard and stay within the flags.
10: Absol- absolutely, Patricia. And we're very lucky here on Cork. We've got some excellent beaches with lifeguarders from Yawl all the way to Barley Cove. And in particular, I'm speaking here as a member of Inchilani Lifeboat, where existence was formed because of a tragedy here in sixty eight. And when that journey happened, it affected the community down here and they decided to put together a rescue boat that could be on duty at the same time as the lifeguards to help out. Park County Council and the lifeguards down here are in charge of Inchilani and the water safety there, and they're doing huge work at the moment, Patricia. And we're just there to back them up. But people have to respect what the lifeguards are yeah. saying. They have to look at the signs. And don't be afraid to go up and ask someone as well, a lifeguard or someone with an Inchidani lifeboat uh, t-shirt on them. Ask them about them because that's what they're there for is to inform, you know.
3: And if a lifeguard tells you to get out of the water or to move to a different part of the beach, they're not doing it to be killjoys. They're doing it to protect you.
10: Absolutely they are, yeah. I even noticed yesterday myself the tide was turning in Jadani around 11 o'clock. There was over a 1,000 people, I would say, on the beach and maybe 250 in the water. And as that tide turned, they had to slightly move where the flags were as the as the rips were developing on the beach. And they were really working hard to make sure people stayed inside in swing swim zone. There's plenty of room for everybody there. It's, there are huge beaches, East Beach and the West Beach, but it's so important to follow the lifeguards' advice.
3: So to parents, talk to your children, talk to your, your, your and particularly teenagers, talk to your teenagers about why those lifeguards are there and why it's important to stay within the flags.
10: Absolutely. If we're going to the beach, make sure, especially with young children, that you watch where those children are. You have to supervise them by the water. As I said yesterday, there was 250 people inside the water at the same time. A lifeguard is very busy. We have to help them out. And if all children are going with their friends to the beach, talk to them around the dinner table tonight, say that please swim on their life-guarded areas and stay out of known danger areas.
3: Because there was a juvenile, now luckily it was a happy ending, but there was a juvenile got caught in the channel, wasn't there? Was it that so, this week, last there week? There
10: was, Patricia, the last Friday night weekend. To be quite honest, uh, we only heard about it a couple of days later, Patricia. That's what happened. People go in there. It's really a blind area. We'll send over the lifeboat there several times a day. A day. We'll inform people it's dangerous to swim there, to come out. But, Patricia, to be quite honest, with you, when the boat leaves and goes back onto the West Beach and East Beach on patrol, unfortunately, people go back in. There was a member of the public who took a child out of the out of the channel who was in danger last uh, Friday week evening, and to be quite honest, averse of the tragedy.
3: Yeah, we could have been adding it to the, the list of, of three families now in, in the last seven days. Uh, somebody didn't come home after just going for a swim on a warm day. It's just, it's it's awful. It really is awful. How busy are you, John, with the lifeboat?
10: Yeah, we're busy you know, here. Uh, we are making rescues ourselves. We uh, took a swimmer into the boat last Saturday week there. We just went swimming on the West Beach. The lifeguard spotted him straight away when he took to the water. He decided to go straight out to sea. And he got tired very quickly, and he was struggling. They knew he was struggling. Over the radio, they said they were going to make a rescue. The lifeboat was there on the slip. It was in the water in seconds. It was out to him in 90 seconds. And they had him back onto the slipway in Shilani within two minutes. That's, that, that, that's what they're there for. And uh, we, we, we're there to back up the lifeguards, as we said. But it is busy. I'd just like to say at the end, Trish, that... In is a very safe beach to go to. Mm -hmm. I I, I always say that if you notice it's really flat. When the tide goes out you notice there's a long a lot of areas walking and it takes a long time for the water to get deep. But we must we must follow the advice. Watch out for the flags. Know your flag. Red over yellow means swim zones. A red flag means no swimming and no flag, Patricia means no life there.
3: Absolutely. And any, and any beach you go to that says this is not safe to swim, it hasn't been put up for the crack. It's been put up because there's probably been a tragedy in that very area at some stage over the years. Listen, you do great work at the InshaDani Inshore Lifeboat. Um, continue to keep, fly, keep flying the flag. Well done to you all. And thanks a million for joining us on the programme this morning. Thanks very much. Bye bye. Bye bye. bye. That is uh, John O'Sullivan, a member of the Inchidani uh, Lifeboat. I was mentioning climate change earlier in the program, in particular, Ross. One of our listeners sent in a text saying, should we're only a tiny speck when you look at the size of all the other countries and what difference does it make what we are doing? And if we try to reduce our greenhouse emissions, so we won't make any difference in the bigger scheme of things when you look at the larger countries. Well, Caroline is picking up on that and saying, hi, uh, I heard somebody mention that we're just a tiny country and whatever happens here won't impact uh, any change for better or for worse. It might, It might be... But what you have to remember is the amount of cattle in Ireland is disproportionately high compared to the population, and that impacts impacts the environment highly, not only by the cows emitting methane, but also by the way of importing soy. So does any any consumer. We buy stuff from China. We can't always finger point elsewhere, uh, but we do have to do our bit. We cannot change other people's behaviour, but we can only change our own best regards. That is from uh, Caroline. Thank you for that, uh, Caroline. Emailing Patricia at c103.ie. Get your questions in for Annalise Drissal, please, our nutritional therapist. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 or jump Paul is taking the calls 0818 103 103.
2: Court today on
6: C103 with John Cusack Insurances Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk.
2: CMIg.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And
3: Annelise Dressel of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballincolica, uh, joining me on this very, very sunny afternoon. Good afternoon, Janelise.
0: Good afternoon, Patricia. Are you
3: enjoying it?
0: Yeah, I do love it now and I have to say I'm lucky enough to be in West Cork for most of it, so it's heaven. But I do sit in the shade, it's just, I'm a bit comfortable, more comfortable with it when it's closer to 20. Okay. But it's still, like, aren't we typical Irish? We can't wait for it to come. When it comes, we complain <laughs> about the heat. So we're never happy.
3: But f- hydration is the important one, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and actually making sure you do reapply sun cream. People just think if they put on a 50, it'll do them for the day. If you're swimming and sweating, you'll have to put it on again. Stay hydrated and do wear a hat. And I think you'll avoid sunstroke that way. No
3: problem. Yeah, I have a family member who shall remain nameless for fear I embarrass them headed off to the beach yesterday great to put the factor 50 on and all of that but his feet from walking in the sand uh-huh. and in and out of the water and he got home last night and his feet are burnt off him and he's in agony with it so I, uh-huh. aloe vera I think is is the aloe best aloe from
0: the fridges there. Yeah,
3: yeah. So just be very, very careful. OK, now I've got two questions that are kind of similar if I can pop the two of them together and it's to do with Cardio K. Um, hi, An- uh, Annalise, Cardio K, uh, you've, which you've recommended in the past. The packaging, etc. has changed, says Linda. Now it re- recommends taking one to two tablets a day, whereas when I bought it last month in the old packaging, it said one tablet a day. Do you take one or two? That's in from Linda. And then somebody else has been on to say, Patricia, Cardio K has gone very expensive. Would Annalise know, is there an alternative available that would have the same ingredients as Cardio K to lower cholesterol levels but isn't as expensive? For example, would bioactive red yeast be recommended for high cholesterol? Okay, talk to me about Cardio K. It it, it went in short supply at one stage.
0: Well, what happened, Patricia, was that the Medicines Board and their wisdom have decided we can no longer sell um, the ingredient that was in Cardio K, which is called monocolon K, in the strength that it had been sold in, which was 10 milligrams, which is very disappointing because it was a brilliant product. It was cheap as chips and it really did help people keep their cholesterol low. And not only that, but a lot of my customers who had major side effects from the statins managed to keep their cholesterol under control with this and no side effects. Now, it does the, the monocolon K acts in the same way pharmacologically as the, the drug does. But maybe it was because it was from a natural source. It didn't seem to have the same negative side effects. So now the strongest we can now sell it is three milligrams. So all the Cardio K that was in the past was sold out. It's been reformulated. In order to increase the efficacy of it, they have added other things into it that are also good to help keep your cholesterol low because we're not able to sell the 10 milligrams anymore. So it is more expensive. And for most people, it should still do the same job. There's a lot of red rice yeast products out there on the market. Unfortunately, none of them are going to be as strong as they used to be previously. So the only way I've, I've been telling my customers, try the low dose one and see, can you maintain your cholesterol at that lower dose? Because maybe you didn't need the full 10 milligrams, maybe three milligrams will do you. But unfortunately, we're back to having to trial and error for customers now again.
3: Okay, so the person saying take one or two, that's the reason Linda is is on the package. You have to to take two and then see how you get on with that. But could she take one and see if she gets on?
0: Um, You see, I think they're not two of the same thing. They're two. There's different things in either tablet. So you have to take both of them. Now, there are other ones like Higher Nature do a red sterile complex. That's another version. You, like you can, they suggest you take between two and four with your main meal but if your cholesterol isn't too high you could just take one what I always say to people is do it for three months and then get checked because if it's not working after three months it's not going to be working after six so you can make adjustments that way um, there's lots of other ones we have got some, one called uh, Rice Pure which is another one we've got a Solaray Cardio Factor one which is a lovely one it's uh, 31 euros But if you have low cholesterol, it'll do you two months, so it works out 15 quid a month, which isn't too expensive. But unfortunately, the price of them is all higher now because they've had to add other ingredients.
3: Okay and and you know, it's kind of a bit like when they take something that we know is working and then they take it off the market it's just really frustrating Well
0: look I don't understand why in this case Patricia because it's like it's the same as a drug you know so like if they can give people the drug
3: why can't people not take the Exactly exactly. Yeah, exactly yeah exactly Anyway uh, Katrina says uh, question for Annalise please for three weeks now I have a very itchy scalp never had it before been to the doctor who gave me Coquish ointment Uh, but it's still itchy. I also put some coconut oil on my head which gave me some relief, but it's worse at night time. I've ended up taking an antihistamine going to bed, which is helping a bit. What would you recommend?
0: Okay. So, the first thing I would say is look at your shampoos and other products that you have been using on your hair to see, are you using something different? A lot of my customers are allergic to something called sodium lauryl sulfate, which is added to most shampoos and hand soaps and body washes as a foaming agent. But I like I personally would be allergic to that now. So as soon as I wash my hair with a shampoo with that in it, my head will itch. So that would be um, one option is to go and get a shampoo that has no sodium lauryl sulfate in it. Um, it could be an allergy. Uh, it's unusual that it just would affect the scalp. Um And, you know, if an antihistamine helps, then that does indicate it could be an allergy. But it's always very, very difficult, again, to find the trigger. And if it's on your scalp, I'd say the allergy is something that you're it's in the water, possibly, or it's in your shampoo. The last thing it could be is it can be fungal. Um, So it's not always a dermatitis that you get on the scalp. It can be a fungal. And actually, dandruff is more fungal than it is dermatitis. So using some grapefruit seed extract in with your shampoo can help. What I suggest to people is uh, mix a couple of the drops of the grapefruit seed extract in with some warm water, massage it into your scalp and let it sit for about 5-10 minutes before washing your hair. That's a great natural antifungal. And then you can get natural anti-dandruff shampoos that will also help soothe if it is. And if you've had an antibiotic recently, it could be fungal. So that might be a way of kind of differentiating between one and the other.
3: Okay, a couple of questions in on hay fever. What do you recommend to take for hay fever, people suffering at the moment?
0: I think because it's so dry now, Patricia, I suppose the pollen count is quite high. So the natural remedies, unfortunately, take time to kick in. So usually they're of two sorts. One is a natural antihistamine uh, approach and they include things like vitamin C, stinging nettle and quercetin. So you will, you will get a quercetin complex. The Irish company, Maconta, they do a lovely quercetin complex Biocare, do a curcetin complex. There'll be a combination of, of, of some or all of those different natural antihistamines. The other way to go is the homeopathic route. And Dr. A. Vogel does a pollinasan, it's spelled P-O-L-L-I-N-A-S-A-N, pollinasan remedy. He also does it in drops called Luffa. And these are a combination of different homeopathy remedies that can help with the histamine side of things. And some people do wonderfully on those. So it's a matter of trying them to see. If you want something to act quicker, I'd probably go for the tincture of the uh, Vogel one, which is the Luffa, as opposed to the Pollen of Sand, which is the tablet version. Um, But generally with antihistamines naturally, uh, you need to wait two to three weeks before they'll kick in so that might be a bit late for that.
3: Okay, I can nearly answer this one. Sheila wants to know, could you ask Annalise, is too much ice cream bad for you in this heat? Obviously eating a lot of ice cream uh, to cool herself down. It's full of calories, isn't it? Isn't that
0: the problem? Full of calories and full of sugar, Patricia and sugar will make you very thirsty. Yeah. So I yeah. would be going for water I mean, obviously ice cream is delicious and it is a treat, but a lot of it is made with um, either vegetable fat or cream, the, the the luxury ones made with cream. So I guess an ice cream could be 300 calories. And if you think that you'd need to be, if you burn about 100 calories, if you're walking extremely fast, um, you'd burn about 100 calories a mile maximum. You'd have to walk three miles just to walk off your ice cream. So bear that one in
3: mind. Okay. I, I, I have a great one, frozen grapes. That's absolutely fantastic yeah.
0: one, Patricia. It's lovely. And actually I love as well just even um, frozen fruits and I just juice them up with a little bit of apple juice and then you can freeze those.
3: And you can suck on those as well. Yeah, They're but, lovely too. Go easy on the ice creams, uh, Sheila. Hi, um, Anneliese. What do you recommend for bloating and weight around the tummy? And I'll tie that in with somebody else saying, uh, "What could you ask Annalise to, uh, is it safe to take the tablets she recommended last week for weight loss around the middle while I'm taking HRT? So, bloating around the tummy and weight. Did you mention a tablet last I week? I
0: did, have a sure account because, I never. You can never remember. Okay, bloating and... Generally, generally weight around the middle. Um, I suggest to people to go on a low-carb diet and to take kind of fat-burning supplements like that would have things like conjugated linoleic acid. N-acetylcysteine is another lovely one for weight around the middle. Cinnamon and chromium are great for the sugar and they're all absolutely fine with HRT. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of bloating, bloating is actually different because bloating is the production of air and gas in your your whole digestive system. So it's a different approach, really. Um, some people have something called small intestinal bowel overgrowth, where there is bacteria growing higher up in the intestine. So if you find about an hour after you eat that you're extremely bloated, um, uncomfortably so, and if it comes along with diarrhea or constipation, it's likely to be something like that and the best way to cure that is to take kind of herbs that will basically re-cleanse and re-sterilize the small intestine. Um, so that's a that's a nice one to try. There's some good ones like nutri do a Candex. SIBO is very good. Um, there is another one called Dida. These are often used as well for kind of fungal overgrowth, so people who would suffer from candida or thrush. And, and that's really good to give your whole um, colon and, and small intestine a cleanse. Be very careful if you have any kind of ulcer or inflammation or if you've heartburn because these are quite strong herbs and wouldn't be suitable for that. The other thing that can work very well is a probiotic called One Week Flat. It's by a company called OptiBac and that works actually very well for a lot of people. Um... So a probiotic can put the good bacteria back into the gut and that's what that one week flat is. It's a particular kind of one that's very, very good for cutting down and bloating. And then if you feel very heavy after eating and bloating as related to that, I would suggest a digestive enzyme that will help you digest your food and break it down a little bit better so it's less likely to be fermented by bacteria
3: in the gut. Okay, and a final one, and this is a rather painful one. Is there anything you can put on shingles? I'm taking an antiviral, but anything to actually put on the shingles, which seems to be, by all accounts, really painful
0: is nerve pain Patricia um, as well so the nerve endings become inflamed. So there's a homeopathic remedy called Hypericum, H-Y-P-E-R-I-C-U-M and that is very good for nerve pain. Uh, so that could, you could take that internally and then to put on the skin I would use something like, um, like the, the Dr. Claire probably like the irritated skin cream um, and she does a lovely anti-scar cream uh, like all of Dr. Claire's creams are really nice and they've different ingredients added for different things so her healing cream is absolutely beautiful for healing but there is a little bit of tea tree in it and that might sting and irritate if you've got um, shingles so I'd go for a similar one which is the repairing anti-scar cream or the irritated skin cream and I'd put that on Stay away from anything that has got essential oils in there. Um, another lovely one, actually, if you can't get your hair on the Doctor hands on the Dr. Claire stuff, is the Walida Do a Calendula nappy cream, which is really, really pure. And there's Calendula in there, and that's wonderful as well for healing the skin. But I think the hypericum for the nerve pain is probably a must.
3: Would that also would. help Mary, who wants to know what's good for inflamed skin around a healed ulcer on her leg? I'd say I'd go with that.
0: Um, I'd go with the repairing skin cream there, the uh, repairing anti-scar cream or even the healing cream would work there because if the skin is kind of healed, um, if there's no open cuts, that would be suitable and it would also keep it disinfected and clean. And we sell a pile of that Dr. Claire healing cream because it works so well for, for you know, for skin that's, that's um, slow to heal. The other thing I'd say for Ulster as well um that flow to heal. Vitamin C is very important to knit the skin back together as is zinc. So I would definitely take those. And if you can't get your hands on the Dr. Clare stuff, comfrey is another one that will knit things back together and I know Viridian do a comfrey bam and that's available in most health shops
3: Okay listen thank you for that have a lovely week enjoy the sunshine thanks. in West Cork thanks for joining us and Annalise will put up all of the information as heard on the radio on her website healthhubstore.com and then John Paul will put it out as a podcast later on That's why I leave you for today thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Mark Malone with you for the afternoon touch tomorrow at 10 Cork today
2: on C103 with
3: Sean
6: Cusack Insurance's is- in sale now, part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. Cmig.ie.
2: Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra